0: Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine.
1: Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 181. We thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We hope you enjoy it. Before we get started with our interview with Jason from Here With The Magic, a couple of housekeeping notes. This week is a special week for Detours in Neverland because we are releasing a bonus episode on Wednesday. It is a very special episode to us and something that I think a lot of you will want to tune in for. Unfortunately, I can't give you much more context about what it's about, but... Mark those calendars Wednesday. There will be a bonus episode that will slide our storytelling episode on Spaceship Earth to Friday. So three episodes this week, just like old times for some of you longtime listeners. So I think that's it. So Jason from here with the magic joins us today. And I cannot stress enough how much we love his channel and his videos that he creates. He you'll hear him mention it during the interview. But the feelings and emotions that he is able to translate through video are something that is very hard to describe and very hard to capture. And I really think he has something very special going on there. So I won't talk too much else for him. We'll turn it over to Jason, where he will introduce himself and tell us one random fact that we may not know about him from social media.
2: Sure. Brendan, Catherine, thank you so much for having me. I'm Jason Knapp. I'm uh, with here with the Magic. Um... A little fun fact that no one would know. I performed stage magic when I was young. So, like a teenager, actually younger than teenage. My grandfather was a magician and my great-grandfather was a magician. And then it skipped a generation and so I picked it up and I did that for a bit. Um, I don't think anyone knows that. That isn't, who kind of <laughs> is in the dizzy space with me. So, that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, I'll probably catch a lot of grief for it.
1: So, are there any videos of said stage magic?
2: Oh, um, there probably are. Not that I have, which is interesting. I have pictures, but I don't have any videos. I I, it's. I do remember, I think one of my parents recorded it on one of those old shoulder-mounted VHS monstrosities way back and whenever that was. Um, and I'm sure there's other video from, because I did, I did, I performed in contests at these like magician conventions that these are things that actually exist. Um, And I'm sure there's stuff out there and it'll come back to haunt me at some point. (laughs) So I've got to ask from a
1: one of the the magician background, how do you enjoy abracadabra?
2: Bar. I always mess up the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard to say. It was like is it abracadabra? No, it's Abracadabra. Abracadabra. <laughs> um, I like it. I, I I really love the um I, I love the idea of it. I wish there was I wish there was more actual magic happening, like, like more performing of some sort. But the props that are there are they're like legit and And I think they would go unnoticed by most people who who aren't in the know, who didn't have some of these things. Um, But it's a a cool space and it's a tight space though. It's relatively small. It can get crowded, Uh, but I like it.
0: That makes me think of in Nashville, we have a little, it's called House of Cards. I guess that would be the same kind of idea. It's like a little, uh, what would you call it, Brennan? It's kind of like a speakeasy. You have to have a password. Oh.
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting set of It's in like the basement of the George Jones Museum, Who's ever, if anybody's ever been <laughs> no. to Nashville. And yeah, you, there's a there's doorman. Nashville. And then, then during dinner, you get up and go around to all these uh, little magic
2: tables set up. Mm-hmm. That sounds wonderful. I've been to Nashville, but I haven't, I've never been there. Yeah.
1: And then you end the night with like their premiere show in the little theater. It is it is really weird. Like it's one of those that when you walk out, you kind of look around like what just Did happened? Did that really <laughs> happen? Yeah. <laughs> That's the best kind. Yeah, it's uh it's pricey though. It is it very is pricey. pricey. I know we went for your parents' anniversary or something like that. Or
0: a birthday. You so. have to go for a special occasion. Yeah.
2: Because it's so pricey or because they won't let you in? Pricey. It's <laughs> <They're like, Yeah. laughs> your
0: birthday? If
2: not, you're not coming in.
1: Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for sharing that. We've had many different random facts thrown out there, but that is one of my favorites. But to lay <laughs> the foundation for our chat today, I want to hear about the inception of Here with the Magic. What conversations took place to get it off the ground? Where did you get the idea? And then what did those early steps look like to get it cemented? Well,
2: years ago, I would say a decade ago, I had this idea that I wanted to do something Disney-related, like professionally, like for a job. And it was, and I, it was like, well, do I want to be a? Like, do I want to be a travel agent? No. Do I want to? Like, I couldn't come up with an idea. But I, but I, the the one thing I kept coming back to was that. Wouldn't it be really cool if I could somehow like, like have a project that introduced people to these spaces and places that are overlooked, that are quiet, that are maybe either off the beaten path or they are just overlooked, kind of hiding in plain sight? Um, and now I talk about them as, as uh, quiet moments of joy and they're everywhere and so so a good 10 years ago or you know maybe just slightly under that i was thinking about this sort of thing like how 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 could i turn that into something so, um and then you know so i took i took trips uh and i would drive my family crazy taking pictures in places um that people don't take pictures like empty lounges and Empty benches under a tree, some you know, just weird, just kind of strange things. And I would just collect these because they. um, I had this this intent to start a blog or something at some point, to to just write about the spaces and and promote them that way, and figure out the rest later. And then I got busy and moved away from those projects, but it never never moved away from the interest. Until we relocated from California to the Disney, the Walt Disney World area in late 2018, and in the spring of 2019, I was taking video. Uh, I was, I was just, I was just capturing video with the intent of maybe I'll put this up on YouTube, you know, just to, just, just to put it up there. And maybe people will find it interesting. and this was I think at the time it may have been video from the Polynesian um, or the Wilderness Lodge. but that that sort of took this this turn one day when I was there with a friend at the Wilderness Lodge and we were sitting down at Geyser Point and I was just taking film and I was I was taking video this is off of my phone. I was taking video with this contraption. Uh, that I don't even use anymore. I can't even remember the name of it, but basically, it was a it was a uh, you know a, st- a stabilizer. Uh, 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 it wasn't it wasn't a kind of handheld thing. It Was this thing that allowed the the, the the camera to pan slowly, like in a controlled fashion, and um and I I looked at it later and I thought, oh, wow, this is really good, and it reminded me of. I don't know if you're familiar with the CBS morning show on Sundays, like there's a new show and they do a lot of feel good stories, but at the very end of it, they they usually do like this 30 seconds of of usually a scene from like some sort of nature oriented scene or somewhere like in a meadow or on the mountains or somewhere just peaceful. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of that. And I thought, wow, this is like, there's something here. And that was, I think, the very moment where I thought, okay, I'm gonna try to do something with this. I'm gonna try because there's no one else that I knew of who was doing this thing. And this thing that I would have loved to have myself when I was away from, from Disney property. And so uh that's really how it that's how it got started. I just started capturing video um and buying equipment. <laughs> and buying more equipment and capturing more video, um, and then and then uh, once I kind of had this intent behind it, I, I um, you know, I surrounded myself uh, or I got surrounded by people, some really great people in the space who who helped me along, um, and then just took off. And I launched it. I officially launched it in September. It was September eighteenth of of last year, two thousand nineteen. But I started working on it like in a serious way. Um, I, I would say it was probably early June of last year. So we're coming up almost on a year since I've been really focused on it.
1: I love that story for many different reasons. I mean, I love that early on that you knew that you wanted some sort of project that was Disney related, related to devote to because I think that's a similar thought that many people have and it's more difficult than you realize to figure out what medium or space that you want to be in. So I'm glad that you were able to find video. And we went through the same thing. We had so many different blogs before we found podcasting. So, But there's a gap there uh, between your phone and then now you've got 4K, 5K, which I didn't even know was a thing, 3D, ultra panoramic. 180 degree. (laughs) So... Did you have much videography experience before getting that gear? Or was it kind of a learn on the fly type of deal?
2: Um, I mean, I had no actual like real professional video experience. I don't, I still don't really consider myself having real professional (laughs) video experience. I just, um, I had produced videos for fun over many, many years. I was the kid who would, take uh i mean i did videos of um oh, you know what i'm sorry i actually do have a video i do have video of, of performing magic because i i gave my grandparents this video of uh oh my god it's so embarrassing i can't even I'm saying, <laughs> um, i gave my i gave my grandparents uh, for, i think it's probably a christmas present this this video tape of me performing magic. And I did actually digitize it years later. So I do have it. I do have it. Um, which is scary, but I did stuff gonna like that. You're going to
0: regret admitting that.
2: I know, right? I did stuff like that. I did. Um, and I did, you know, once it became technically possible, I was the guy who would take a lot of pictures and digitize them and then turn them into slideshows with music. And I did that, you know, I, I did this stuff like that. Um, and, uh, so i have a lot of experience and, and and a certain level of comfort um from like a hobbyist standpoint and and i and i don't like i know my way around certain film editing software or i know that i can teach myself certain things it's clunky and i'm sure my workflow is really really ugly to people who do this for real but you know i um It just comes, that part came easy to me and I'm a tech head. So I uh, like, I'm a geek and I like collecting tech and I buy stuff much to my wife's chagrin. And (laughs) I, I, um, you know, so I've, I've, I I just try stuff out and if it works great and if it doesn't, then, then so be it. You know, I just move on.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool because, you know, looking at your videos, it looks like you have all the training and experience in the world. Well, I mean, they are you. so you. clear <laughs> and very professional. And you mentioned, you know, kind of where you decided to film the spots that you like, but just on a daily basis when you are looking for new spots or when you decide you want to make a new video, like what is that process like? Is it just exploration or do you have a list?
2: Well, do you want the real answer or the (laughs) official answer? The built for the podcast Always the real. Um, Okay. So I have a list. It started as as a spreadsheet list and that got to be, I mean, within five minutes of just mind, like brain dumping, I came up with over 100 locations that I could think of off the top of my head. And at that point, I felt like, okay, well... I don't have to think about this anymore. I know exactly what I'm going to do, right? Um, and then I got a little more sophisticated and started using Trello to to start planning what I was going to do. So, I'd have my list of locations and then I would uh, you have a filming calendar of sorts where I would say, okay, I'm going to try to film on this particular day and at this particular location and be very, you know, very, very responsible about it. Well, funny thing is, you can you can have all of this planned. You can say, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to go to uh, I'm going to go to Frontierland and I'm going to film on one of the old docks, maybe at the old smoking section, which isn't a smoking section anymore, facing Tom Sawyer Island. And I'm going to do it at uh, sundown so that the light is hitting you know that part of the island, that side of the island just perfectly right? Like, I, I mean, I would put that level of thought into it. And then you get there and you realize it's Florida. <laughs> and that time of day, most of the year, well, I should say at least during the warm parts of the year, you're going to have a thunderstorm. You're never going to be able to capture that moment in that way at that time. Uh, I mean, you may, you might, but you have to be flexible. And I, And I've learned over the many months that I've been doing this now that I I just have to be flexible and open-minded and have my list, which is kind of like my ideal list, my ideal shot list, but also um, recognize that I have to go with the flow. It's a lot like, it's a lot like being a guest in Walt Disney world or in Disneyland. It's a lot like, you know, if you go in with this, with this plan of attack that, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to go see this. we're going to eat here. And you know what happens? It, something goes wrong something you know takes longer than you expected or somebody you're with decides that they don't want to actually participate in your little mission um mm-hmm. and you get really frustrated and if you let if you well, you can get frustrated and if you allow yourself to get frustrated now you've lost the whole point and i feel the same way when i'm you know, in in the early parts of this i felt really i would get frustrated like oh my gosh like it's raining or oh no like these people are talking or just like stop moving the carts around with the little wheels that make all the noise. Like they think that Disney has somehow patented or something that they can only have carts that make clinkety clink sounds. Like <laughs> I, would, I would lose my mind about these things. And then I and then I and then I would just kind of recenter and I realized like, okay, I just have to I just have to be flexible. So I go in with a plan, but the plan almost always changes. And I think i think like to to capture the really the truly great moments you have to you have to be doing that you have to be focused on like uh the 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 moments of serendipitous joy like this this like oh i didn't, i never thought about filming this particular spot in tomorrowland but but I'm going to do that, um, or this particular spot in, uh, you know, the Canada Pavilion, or something like. There, there's these moments, like when the walkway back to, um, you know, that passes by the waterfalls in the in the Canada Pavilion, uh, when the when the little walkway is is empty and there's no one there, and you had no intention of filming, but you're like, I'm going to capture this because this is fantastic. Um, it's like stuff like that. You just have to be open minded and flexible with. Wow, mm-hmm. oh, that was a long way of telling you. Like I try like this way, you, I've spun this web that makes it seem like I know what I'm talking about, but really, I'm just going in and point and shoot, point and shoot.
1: <laughs> well, I think anybody who is creating content, especially video or photography content, can relate to that. Of you can make the most sophisticated plan in the world, but you get there and. Step one goes wrong and you have to be able to adapt. I'll never forget. I really, really wanted the shot of the waterfall coming down in front of the tree of life and at the exit to a bug's life. And so I walked down there, I set up the tripod. I figured out, I didn't quite have the lens that I wanted, but I figured out, you know, if I wait until the, it's tough to be a bug exits and, and, I'll have a few moments where I can do this long exposure shot, get everything set up with nobody walking through it. And like three times in a row, a cast member, you know, (laughs) taking out the trash or walking down to switch shifts or whatever, walk through the shot. And I had a similar thing. Like, that's not the point of this. I'm getting frustrated for no reason. Like, (laughs) is there another way we can do this? So I think many people can relate to that. I do have a question about the longer videos that you shoot. How do you stay entertained while (laughs) it's running?
2: Okay. I get a lot of sunburn. I even, I try to, (laughs) I try to like, you know, coat myself in sunblock. Um, that it's the hardest, that's the hardest part. So the, some of the, some of them are little tricks and some of them are, are, like really me stationary for a long period of time. Some of the longer videos are loops of shorter videos. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I'll call that out. I don't want to ever imply that something is, is like, oh, here's an actual hour of, of footage in this particular location. Um, as it would have been if you were there, I'll, you know, I'll say it's a loop. Um, but sometimes I'll spend 20 or 30 minutes or more in one particular location. And I don't I don't know about the boredom piece. Like, I don't get bored. It's Disney. Like, it's – can you – like, you have to pinch yourself sometimes. I mean, I'm so blessed to, to live close and to be able to go, except for now, um, to be able to go on such a regular basis that I – I mean, it's incredible to me to be able to stand anywhere on Disney property and be able to just take it in. is is such a tremendous blessing. Um, if if you had told me when I was a kid that one day I'd be able to live fifteen minutes from Walt Disney World and go there pretty much whenever I want, and um, and I hope the only But the only thing is you'll have to stand still for like 15, 20 minutes and just like take it all in. I mean, I'll be like, okay, that's great. Sounds amazing. And it is. Um, So, I've never really gotten bored with it. Um, But I have gotten burned and I have gotten thirsty (laughs) and I've had equipment failure where you've stood in one spot for 30 minutes and you realize, oh, huh, I didn't have a... uh, memory card in that camera or (laughs) the, the 360 video keeps just, it just keeps going off and like shutting down and I don't know why. And so you just have to, you just have to go with it. Um, I've never gotten bored ever.
1: I, I didn't prepare this, but now I'm thinking about it. Do you have any tips for getting through security in the most painless way possible with all of your equipment?
2: Yeah. So, so for me, I don't carry a ton of equipment. I think the most, I think the most, I don't know, uh, painful piece of equipment that I carry around is my tripod. And I use a little GoPro bag, even though I don't use a GoPro. I, I, this little GoPro bag I have is, is great because there's all these little pockets and zipper sections and things, um, which is also a nightmare for security. But I... I don't have a lot of stuff. And I think the trick is to number one, to, like don't try to bring something in that you shouldn't bring in because you, number one, you really shouldn't do it to begin with. Um, which means no selfie sticks and no tripods that are like longer than what you're supposed to bring in. And each park has its own rules. So, well each, I should say each, uh, like Disney world and Disneyland have slightly different rules. So you have to be aware of what those are. Um, and you, and also, um, Go out of your way to make it easy for the security team. They're there to ensure that you are safe when you get into the park. And their job, unfortunately, is to perceive each person as a potential threat. So, do everything that you possibly can to make their job easy. Like open all the pockets and pull stuff out. And like even my sunglass case, I make sure that I have it opened up. So, you know, because I know that they're going to ask me to open up, so if it just it just makes everything move more smoothly, which then also allows guests behind you to get in more quickly. I think that's the trick. Don't be you know, like, don't be a jerk.
0: <laughs> you're speaking straight to brendan don't be a jerk brendan
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's never been a jerk but brendan has the worst time getting through with all his camera stuff
1: well i've gotten better recently now i try to just take like one or two lenses max and nor now i've tried to ditch the backpack completely and just carry the camera itself uh and try not to bring a tripod if i don't have to mm-hmm. but yeah, I've, I find myself like apologizing to the security guard, like I'm so sorry, I'm making you do all this extra work. Apologizing to the people behind me, <laughs> so I just leave, just drained because everybody is there, like peering at me, like hurry up,
0: like what is wrong with you?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, why are you doing this? Yeah, I, I, um, I've never apolog- Well, that's, that's probably not true. I'm a very apologetic person too. I think I do feel guilty sometimes. Like having too much stuff, and I think, like you said, the, the the solution for that is to try to minimize what you bring in as much as possible. And for me, it's it's usually my phone, um, one or two of the VR cameras, which are very small, and then my tripod. And then I'll sometimes have a battery pack. I'll oh, almost always have a battery pack with me. Not. Mostly for my phone. Um, But I don't carry a laptop in like some people do. I don't carry... um, I don't have lenses that I use uh, or anything like that, so I don't have to worry about that. So it's a pretty pretty small-time operation from an equipment standpoint.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So I want to talk about uh, something we've talked about a lot about on our show is, you know, who is the avatar? Who is the person who you want to listen to this. And I'm curious about when you first thought of this, who was the ideal watcher? Cause I can say from my experience, I turn on many of your videos as I'm working and it's on my secondary screen and I've got it set up on my iPad and I've got the ambient noise going on in the background. And it just brings me a lot of peace and, you know, comfort and a little bit of a distraction without being too distracting. So is that kind of how you intended it or was it different? I'm always interested in that kind of stuff.
2: I think that I probably did the thing that was that every good marketing person tells you not to do, which is like don't mirror market. But that's exactly what I did. I you know I think when I started this, I, I went into it with this thought of what would I have liked to have had access to? And what What would I have been interested in? And watching, um, what kinds of videos were, was I already capturing, and you know what moments would I want to revisit? And that was, that like that was how I started this thing. And I've never, I know, I've had conversations with people about the avatar, um, or, the, you know, or the ideal customer, or, or however you put it. Um, and I, I was listening to one of your podcasts recently, and this, I think it came up, and I thought to myself, even then like who is my avatar who is my ideal person and i um i don't think i have an ideal person per se it's more that i have an ideal i have an ideal or a target feeling like mm. it's i'm targeting the person i'm trying to to you know bring something some value to the person who is looking to just be connected to the disney space and be connected in a way that that isn't about the ride through, and it isn't about even the walkthrough, and it isn't about the thrill. It's it's more like about, it's about the chill, you know. It's more chill than thrill, and 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 I, so that lends itself to having this passive experience. It lends itself to being able to cue it up on your computer, on your television, and just let it roll, and and. And that's why from the beginning, I also wanted to make sure that I didn't, I didn't, I, you know, I don't have any, other than the ambient sound, I don't have any talk over, you won't see me introducing a video, you won't see me at the end of the video saying something about where you can find more or, you know, anything, any any kind of a salesy type thing, which, which runs it contrary to what a lot of video producers will tell you that you need to do. Um, I don't put, I don't put. Title cards up or cards on YouTube videos. I, I the the whole idea was to try to make the experience, um, one that brought somebody as close to the feeling of being there as possible. Which is also why I decided early on that that I would try to do immersive video when I can and immersive sound all, all the time. And um, so it's really this feeling. It's this feeling of it's it's. Whoever the person is that's out there, who either is looking to connect with the Disney space for the first time, or maybe reconnect with their favorite Disney spaces, and and feel that you know, I mean, it's hard to describe this to non Disney people. Um, it's it's that feeling you get when you've come home, and you and it's that feeling of being safe, and a feeling of being understood and seen and appreciated and um and welcomed and if I can convey just a just a just a bit of that through the videos and through the sound then um like then that's success and 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 i and then that makes it really difficult to to promote. Right? Like I don't I don't have this ideal person. Oh well, my ideal person is this fifty five year old woman who lives in you know uh, Minnesota on a lake, and she has a dog, a Labrador named named Buffy. <laughs> and I mean, like I don't like I know people do that, and um, and it makes it a little easier, I think, to market. But uh, that's not how I've gone about it.
0: But i I do love that because I feel like your videos really do convey everything that you want them to. I mean, it's a good, peaceful break where, you know, you can have it on in the background, you can zone into it, but it is like a peaceful kind of, you know, deep breath to your day where you can just take a second and pretend like you're in Disney World and everything is okay. And I think there are obviously a ton of people who connect with that same idea. Um, You're utilizing Facebook Live and you've built a thriving community of other Disney fans. So we're definitely very interested in that, you know, what does that community mean to you and how did that come about?
2: So thank you for, for, um, for saying that I, I don't, so a year ago or close to a year ago um, when this was starting, I got this advice from lots of people uh, who I who who mean the world to me and who I know and I know that they know what they're talking about. I'm mean, Colin Kendall is one of them who said you have to you have to put yourself out there. And so much of what I do is mental, and you know this isn't about me. It's about the it's about the the space. It's about the feeling. It's not. This isn't the Jason show. You know, it's not. It's not meant to be that. And and so the videos that I take. I, you know, I go, I, I go to great pains to make sure that I'm not actually in the video, that I'm not impacting the situation, um, that you can't even see me in most videos. And that's really tough with some of the 360 videos, which is why I don't do a lot of 360 videos. <laughs> um, and so I resisted this idea, this, this suggestion that, okay, you well, would Jason, you need to, you need to put yourself out there too. You need people will, want to know like who you are and what you're about and, um, and I resisted it for a long time, and it wasn't until r- pretty recent that I started to engage a little bit more there. And uh, the the idea of doing the live videos, um, the the lunch breaks that I've that I've been doing since we've all been sheltering at home for the you know for the most part, um, they are uh, they were kind of born out of this discussion that I had with uh, my good friend and mentor Lou Mangello. Uh, who is a master, a master at, um, at 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 fostering and nurturing a community of people who who are good people? Um, and so I, I did it. I finally I just I just did it, and I was terrified. It was terrifying. I mean, I had a Facebook group already going, and you know, and and I had a good number of people in it, and but I didn't have a ton of participation. Um, and. Doing the live show, which was terrifying, doing the live show allowed me to see like, oh, wow, there's this, this is resonating with people. And I had received messages like feedback on YouTube and emails from folks who subscribe to the newsletter who say nice things and have really great stories that I'll share at some point one day. Um but i hadn't had that like live interaction with people until i did this and um and that has been amazing like 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 just incredible so you ask like how did i like how do i do it or the why or, like i um i just did it like i just <laughs> i just showed up and i started and, I, and started we started watching videos together and then people start showing up every day and and the audience builds a little bit and it builds a little bit and it builds a little bit and the same people keep showing up. And then a few add on each time. And I can't tell you that I, I like really can't express in words the feeling that I get when I um want to go live. You know, and there's that moment where you're where you think to yourself, maybe today's the day that no one shows up. <laughs> maybe today's the day that I am just talking at the camera. Um, and that's okay Um, but it's like these people show up and so that feeling of people showing up you know it deepens this sense of not just the community but deepens the sense of responsibility and um, that you like now like I, I've had people email me or message me saying like apologizing that they weren't going to be there like I'm not going to be there tomorrow I'm doing you know it's my granddaughter's Birthday, or I'm not going to be there tomorrow. I have a work meeting, or um, you know, we have some people who participate who are in the United Kingdom, and so it's dinner time for them. and Some people who participate in who are in California, and so it's it's like morning for them, and um, and they're reaching out to me, telling me like I'm sorry, I'm not going to be there, and so by golly, I'm going to keep showing up, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to keep doing this thing, and because it's 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 amazing right now, especially. Um, I think it's really important that that we do we do foster that community, and we do do whatever we can to to share the Disney message and the and the, and 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 the spirit. And um, you know, you know, you guys are you, like we're we're all our people. Like we, this is this is what we do, and we understand this stuff through and through in terms of what Disney means to us and what the Disney spirit is. Um, but it's a, uh, it is a, uh, it is a thing that is needed right now, more than ever. Um, in terms of, uh, I think reminding people that there are these happy places and there are these happier times that will come again that will that we can look forward to um, while we reminisce. And um, yeah, I, I, like. I, I'm just excited to do more of it. Like the fact that, like, I, I guess for me, I just discovered that there was a community. I didn't really create one because it wasn't mine to create. Like it just, the community is there. And and then if you decide to step into that, you know, into this role of, um, uh, of, of, of drawing people together, gathering them together for a purpose, um, even if it's just a moment a day or if it's a podcast or a blog or whatever the reason, like if you draw, if you're drawing a community together, especially if it's related to Disney, then you have this, you also have this deep responsibility, I think to, um, do it in a way that, that where you, cause you're a caretaker of that Disney spirit. Now you are an extension of Walt in his dream. And the people who, who have come to that community, um, understand what what Disney is supposed to be you know and, and you have to now uh, deliver that experience um, uh, in a very res- in, like in a responsible way that is true to the Disney Way. and the day that you lose sight of that is the day that you should stop um, gathering people together. You know, I I didn't mean to get real deep there, <laughs> but like I get emotional about this. Um, I get really emotional about this because I do I do think that uh, these communities. So Lou Mangiello often says, "He's like, yeah, I built the clubhouse. You know, you guys, you know, you guys really are are the community, and and it's not hyperbole. It's real. It's it's truth." Um, It's, we, we are caretakers of this, um, this Disney spirit, this, this, this mission. Uh, we are, we are, for those of us who are in this space doing things and have a voice that someone or a group of people find worth listening to and gathering around, um, we have a heightened responsibility to, to take care of that community and to, um, And 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 to spread the joy, and I think right now, like especially this, it's just a truly important time to be doing that. So there you go. And I, uh, you know, I didn't mean to get almost religious on you, but that's that's kind of how it feels for me.
1: I love it because it's crazy how things work out like this. Catherine and I, legitimately, an hour ago before we started recording, (laughs) had such a similar conversation to this, talking about you know what is it that Disney people like? Or what is it that drives a Disney person? And we came to a very simple conclusion that for a lot of people, Disney is a form of meditation, or Disney is a form of escapism from reality. Or, you know, Disney is just what brings them joy. And our role in this is to give other people like that a platform to share that story and to share their interactions with the Disney spirit and the joy, like you said, of, you know, I, it, this is a form of meditation for me or whatever it might be. And I think you said it much more eloquently, but it's, it is so rewarding. I think to look at it that way, to view it as I can create the tool or like you said, the, or like Lou said, the clubhouse, and just allow that space to be filled with all the joy and happiness that all of us love so much about Disney.
2: Yeah, for me, it, I think you saying it's meditative is is absolutely the point, and um, and there is a centering that like a recentering that happens when uh, not just when I'm physically in the Disney spaces, but I think when we're just I mean, with with that Disney spirit, again, I, I, it's, it's almost that crazy. I know you don't think it's crazy, but I know people who don't really, um, haven't been able to get into Disney or haven't had the opportunity to be exposed to Disney in these ways, they won't get it, but it is an almost religious experience and it is, it is centering and it is, um, and I get, you know, it drives me crazy when people will say, why, why do you go to Disney so much? Or what is it about Disney? Like, what's wrong? It's all, like, they're asking, like, what's wrong with you? If They don't just outright say it. Um, and we're like, don't you realize it's all fake? Don't you realize that it's all manufactured? Wouldn't you rather go to the actual places? Um, and my response typically is, well, yeah, like, whenever I can, I do go to the actual places, but um, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that this that this person started us on this path, created a not just a place or a space and or a, or an enterprise, um, but created this just uh, this, this this mission, you know this and an and. and, and, and it with spirit uh, that is all focused on making people happy. Like, isn't it wonderful? Like, what is wrong with with celebrating an organization or a place or a destination um, whose sole purpose? I mean, yes, they're like like they need to make money, right? And which is especially difficult right now because um, uh, they are a for-profit organization. But so what? Like, they're a for-profit organization whose whose mission is to make people happy, to provide escape, to provide a place that is safe, where people feel welcomed of all ages, of all ethnicities, of all socioeconomic strata, like like to, to, to be able to do that. Um, I can't think of a place I'd rather be. Like I can't think of a better mission than um, uh, or, or, you know, like uh, I can't think of another commercial enterprise that is able to provide this meditative, centering, spiritual-like experience um, that Disney is able to provide in everything it does. Mm-hmm. And I don't it's work for Disney. Good. Like this isn't <laughs> you, know, you know, like some kind of uh They're going to have their they're they're having their uh, earnings report soon, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like they'll have their own shot at giving their speech. But they for me, this is this is my Disney. This is what this that's what Disney means for me.
1: Yeah. Well, to round this out, I want to talk about and you mentioned Lou Mangiello, a friend of yours, and and you mentioned off air that he almost view you know, him as a mentor as well. But just a question that we always like to ask is what is your go-to resource to assist in your project? So can you maybe just expand on why you think it's important to have, you know, guidance and getting feedback and, and gathering these people to lift you up along the way?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's like him. He is a mentor um, in every in every uh, sense of the word. Lou Mangiello, is, uh, he, he is the generous person, um, an incredibly talented uh, content creator. Um, Like I I can't speak highly enough about Lou and and the work that he's done with Momentum, um, his Momentum conferences and and retreats and and mastermind groups and so forth. Um, And I've been blessed to like, I've been blessed to have been welcomed into a very positive part of this Disney community. And, you know, rumor has it that there are there are aspects of the Disney community content creators who aren't apparently aren't really nice, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't play nice in the sandbox, so to speak. Um, and I've had the I've just had the good fortune of not encountering them and being and being encircled by people who actually are invested in my success because they believe in me and they believe in what I am doing, um, not because there is some kind of quid pro quo going on. And I, I'm just incredibly blessed. I mean, people like, I mean, Lou, of course, and people like Lisa denota Glasner, who I know you talked to, um, with Castle Run, uh, and Colin Kendall with Guide for WDW, who I know you've also, uh, interviewed, um, these are great people. I, my friend Carlos Eduardo Silva, who is, um, not as, as well-known, I don't think he, so he's super well-known in the. Uh, Portuguese-speaking community in the, in the Brazilian communities, um, but he does he does do a, a good amount of stuff in English too. And he's um, he's responsible for Ponto Orlando. Um, these are just like the and just to name a few people. Like these are these are the people who um, who who help me, who I can bounce ideas off of, who will give me good notes, who are able to be critical while also being um, supportive and, uh, and, and I, and I love them. And I, and I, and I'm truly, I mean, just like I have to pinch myself. Like I'm, I'm truly blessed to be surrounded by, uh, such a talented and warm, um, and supportive group of people who are already doing great things in, in the Disney space.
0: Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I think we've also been fortunate enough to have kind of that same experience where there really are just so many people who are willing to help or give a listening ear if you need to, you know, throw some ideas at them. And I think that's the great part about, you know, being in this Disney community is that there are so many of those amazing people and those people, you know, can help be that resource and help you grow and find, you know, what it is that you're looking to start. So I love that.
1: And I'll just add, like we've often talked about, you know, we have our network of friends here at home. We have our college network of friends that we're still in touch with high school to some extent, I guess still, but it is amazing. And like you said, we often have to pinch ourselves that if we had like a major announcement or a life changing thing or just anything going on. There's this group of network that I, now we're calling our Disney friends <laughs> that we talk to just as much, if not more than the friends that we had established beforehand. And it's just
2: unbelievable that that's even possible. Mm-hmm. It really is. And people, I mean, they won't believe it until they experience it, Yeah, but it does exist.
1: Well, I think that is such a wonderful note to end our first segment on. Jason, I thank you so much. I think it has been so insightful, and I know so many people can relate to your story and the story of Here with the Magic. And I really do think that we can motivate somebody today to – get something started or to put something out there to share their voice and experience the Disney magic from a creative aspect as well. So we will take a quick break and hear a message from our partners and then we'll be back to play the fast pass round. Great.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by the photo reserve. This is a resource that Brendan and I love to take advantage of. And we also think it'll give you some added benefit to the project that you're working on right now. If you head over to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour, you can get information on how to get six free high quality digital images that you can use on whatever project it is that you're working on right now. If you're interested, we would highly suggest you go to the link in our show notes and check it out.
1: Good deal. So we are back. We will play the Fast Pass round, so we'll just throw out these Disney topics, and if you can share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little
2: bit better. And this is a judgment-free zone, right?
0: Always. It is.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this first question is an easy one. Ease your way into it. It's just, name the Disney parks that you visited.
2: Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's straightforward. Um, so all of the parks within, within Walt Disney World, of course, and then uh, in Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. That's it. That's a short list for me. Um, I've been to the Alani Resort, um, which I think you could count as a park of sorts, given how much there is to do there uh, and the water park-like feature. But that's um, that's it. I haven't been to any of the international Disney parks yet. I think Alani definitely counts.
0: Yeah. I would count that. Well, there. There we uh, go.
2: Count it.
1: Next one is, of those individual parks, which one is your favorite and why?
2: Epcot's my favorite. Um I, I, it's it's hard to it's hard to, to to put into words what it is about Epcot, other than this, this the feeling that I have. Um, and it's hard, <laughs> so I recognize that it's hard to love Epcot right now, um, given what's happening at the front so <laughs> front end of the park. Um, there's so much construction happening and so much change, and now there's all this uncertainty about um, how much that like how much of the plan changes are going to stick. But it is. there there, there's I think maybe it's because it's I know how close like I know how close it was to Walt's heart in terms of um how important it was as as in terms of the Florida project and I think it still comes through even though the lot has changed and never was um I still think it comes through the celebration of technology and culture and um and family and uh it's, it's just the park that I feel most at home in.
1: Mm. I can say here's my pro tip for the time being. <laughs> on our last trip, which was right before all this craziness happened in the world, we went to Epcot twice on the same trip. One time we entered through the front main gates because we rode the monorail from Magic Kingdom. The other time we rode the gondolas because or the Skyliner because we were coming from Hollywood Studios. Going back through the International Gateway entrance and avoiding all the scrim and construction walls at the front was such a peaceful comparison. So that's my pro tip right now. If at all possible, go through International <laughs> Gateway.
0: Yeah. I think that's very right. And what's that? I was just going to say it was very busy, but totally worth it.
2: Yeah, Catherine's right. I mean, I think you you definitely, it, it's just a better, it just feels more civilized to go through that entrance, right now. <laughs> and I think the Skyliner makes it so much easier for people to do that. Um, I think that's a really good tip. It it didn't hurt that
1: Mickey was right there.
2: As yeah, they've been Mickey. doing that. They've been so so. I um, I would say for the for the at least two month period leading up to the park closures, there was not a day. That I would walk into Epcot through the international gateway that uh, either Minnie or Mickey or sometimes both were there, and then typically Goofy will be positioned up uh, by the bridge going over you know between the United Kingdom and the France pavilion. Um, it's and I don't know why they started doing that. I, I like maybe I, I I don't know. I want to speculate, but. Um, isn't it lovely? You like walk in and like, you're already happy to be there. And it's such a beautiful part of the park to walk into. And there's Mickey. You're like, oh my God, this is so great. Yeah. And we just happened to catch it.
1: Belle was in France, leaning over the ledge there, yelling for Mickey and getting his <laughs> attention to wave at him. That's this so is cool. just Isn't
2: it great when they fun. when the characters interact like that? Yeah.
1: I love it. All right. Next one is: What is your Disney bucket list trip?
2: So, I, this is tough. I, I think um, I think it would have to be Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea, because I also want to visit Japan really, really badly. I would also love to to go to Shanghai, but I think if I had to choose, it would it would be the Tokyo parks.
0: That's a solid choice. We've been watching some YouTube videos with all of our extra time, and it makes you really want to go there. The more that you watch,
1: well, yeah, I think we've hypothetically signed up for a Disney cruise, a trip to Tokyo, and a trip to
2: Paris just during this quarantine. Yeah, well, that, yeah, well, that, that's great. Um, now, you just
0: have
2: to, now you just have to figure out a way to save your way there.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you know,
2: those are those are not inexpensive trips, but I think they are. I think they're all worth doing at some point for sure.
0: The next one would be, what is your favorite Disney resort? And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at.
2: So my favorite resort, the resort that I consider home, the the resort that I, that I frequent the most, not just, not just now that I'm living here, but also when I would, when I would visit, when I would vacation to Walt Disney world is wilderness lodge and it's, it doesn't have my favorite restaurants. Like if I was gonna pick a resort for restaurants, it would be Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um and it doesn't have the best pool. If I was gonna do that, it would be Beach Club. But it um or Alani. I mean Alani's wonderful. Alani's real is wonderful. Um but I but there's something about the Wilderness Lodge that uh, that just that you you really do feel transported to another time and place. Whether you're arriving by car or bus or arriving by boat uh, from the Magic Kingdom or the Contemporary or some other point, um, you, you've, it's, just, it's just fantastic. And for anyone who's listening who has not ever stepped foot into the Wilderness Lodge, you are truly missing out. You've, you've got to get over there on your next trip because it's just a remarkable space.
1: I thought you were going to say not the best restaurants, not the best pool, but it does have the best bar because <laughs> I've, I've come to that conclusion that Geyser Point is, I would spend all my time there,
2: but I completely agree with
1: everything that you've said. That
2: Geyser Point's fantastic. And Territory Lounge is nice as well inside. Um, yes. So yeah, there's a lot of good, there are, I mean, you're, you're not going to go wrong eating there or drinking there or just hanging out there. Um, you, you, you can't, you can't have a bad experience at the Wilderness Lodge.
1: And our friends, Jonathan and Joshua and Ryan, would be upset with us if we didn't mention Territory Lounge. You can get the Cobbler
2: from Whispering Canyon Cafe there. So that's always that's a, always big, a big, big selling point for them. Because that's not on the menu. That's an off-menu selection then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pro tip. I think I, they were sending us pictures last time. I think John had
1: at least two, maybe three servings <laughs> of Cobbler while he was there. But... um
2: Wow. That's really such a challenge. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really feeling disappointed in myself for not knowing that now. <laughs> so next one is if you
1: could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be?
2: Well, I, from a time saving or queue avoidance strategy, I think it would be Space Mountain. Um, just just because it's so much. Isn't it just wonderful when you are fast passing Space Mountain and you're flying by all those other people who are <laughs> stuck in the line and, and, and you just have that smug look on your face um, and you just keep going and just keep going. You're like, wait, when are we going to hit the wall of people? And it's like, it just does, doesn't happen or it happens really late. I just love that um, as much as I enjoy the star tunnel. And, but you can always just stop, right? You can always just stop and stand still and enjoy the star tunnel and the music and then keep on going. That would be the one I would – that would be the one I would do be, be because I don't want to – I like that feeling of walking past all those people in line.
0: I think that's a good one, too, because I feel like the last few times we've been in that queue, it's been kind of hot and, like, smelly and miserable, too. So, that's oh. not a place I'd want to stand for hours.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't gotten to experience the barn effect. Um, <laughs> that, that's a new. Maybe that's a new feature. Um, but I, I think it's also it's also a queue that is not um, – like some others that come to mind would be Peter Pan just, just because it's so difficult to get a fast pass for Peter Pan. But when you wait in the queue for Peter Pan, because of the, because of the, uh, the interactive aspects that were added a few years ago, it really, that's a, a, it's a a really nice queue to, to be in for that experience. Um, There's so many, there's so many that I wouldn't want to like, not have the opportunity to experience the queue thunder mountain and Everest and like, like these, they have really great queue elements. Right. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to fast pass my way by those. Yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Next one, sticking with rides, which ride or attraction do you think is due for an exit or refurbishment from the parks?
2: Oh, so this is where it's going to get controversial. (laughs) Okay. So, I'm going to give you an answer. So, so, I'll tell you, if you had asked me this question two months ago or maybe three months ago now, I would have said journey into imagination without a doubt. I'm ready for it to go, ready for it to change. I love figment to death but we like, this isn't the figment that like I grew up with. I mean, it's just not that same experience and I'm ready for a change but that's no longer my answer. My answer now is the Beauty and the Beast sing-along. Oh, good. And I know I'm going to get in trouble. I know there's people who love Beauty and the Beast and I'm a big Beauty and the Beast fan too. This is not like to me, this, this, um, I'm, you know, I was, I'm a huge fan of Impressions de France. So, it kills me that I can't just walk in and see it whenever I want. And, um, and I don't think that this attraction is an appropriate tribute to Beauty and the Beast. And I also don't think it's an appropriate tribute to France, um, and uh, so I think it's like I, I hope it's short-lived. I, don't, I fear it won't be because it serves an important purpose in terms of attracting families to that space that was not well utilized. Um, but I do think that 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 the film deserves uh, it deserves something more. Like hey, like even just using the whole theater, like, like you have a hundred and eighty degree screen there to use, but they're not using it. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've experienced it or not. So we've only been there once since it opened.
1: And I can honestly say it didn't even cross my mind to no. go to it.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say you missed out. And again, <laughs> I'm going to get all started. Like I probably just lost a whole bunch of uh, followers and orders <laughs> and I, and I'm sorry, but that's the one that I would, um, and I wouldn't look, I'm not saying it shouldn't be a beauty and to be sing along. I'm saying let's actually make it, like worthy of the name and let's connect it to the pavilion that it's hosted in, um, in a more substantial way, because that's like, that's what it's all about. That's what it's supposed to be about.
0: Yeah. So that's all. That's valid. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This next one is what land or area in the parks brings you the most inspiration?
2: Um, to be sort of general about it, I would say it's wor- really anywhere in World Showcase at night. And wandering around World Showcase at night, uh, especially if it's late, like one of those uh, extra magic hour nights at the very tail end, and and most people have cleared out, but this but they're still running the ambient music, and you know you can wander the quarters of Morocco. Or you can sit you know in the garden or, or by the koi pond in the Japan pavilion, um, or even just wandering you know, in, in the back areas of the China pavilion or the UK. Like it's just there's something extraordinarily magical about world showcase at night. And even that transition time, like that point where, where when it's, when, just when the sun is setting, and so the lighting begins to change. And there's this, there is this palpable uh, change in the way that world showcase feels when, when you enter this evening period, even when it's crowded. Um, I just love it, and I, and I and I so it's it just it kind of sings to me from a like from a spirit standpoint. So I, uh, which also was probably why Epcot's my favorite park. You know, um, to, to to unpack that a bit. That's. um I just enjoy that, that that space so much.
1: We've recently come to the realization that we have not been exploring World Showcase the way that we should be. Oh, well, we like, need to explore together then. <laughs> there are all kinds of restaurants that we've never been to. And bars and lounges and all kinds of stuff. And that just makes me... Like that's top on the list. Yeah. Next time we go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. So next one talking about food and snacks would be, what is your favorite snack or a go-to
2: snack? I'm not much of a snacker in the parks, like in the, in the, in the traditional sense of grabbing popcorn or a churro or hot dog or something like that. Um, I do. I so that's going to be a weird answer. Um, like from time to time, you can get these Bloody Marys from the refreshment port and World Showcase, you know, on the way between the entrance from Future World to if, if you're headed towards the Canada Pavilion. Um, and they have these like – and you can get it without, without alcohol. Uh, but sometimes they'll, they'll garnish them with like these giant chicken nuggets or some other protein like with the – and it, it is like this meal in a cup. So, it's like super portable – Um, and it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's delicious. And, and I know, again, I'm probably going to get a lot of, uh, strange (laughs) feedback for that, but, um, that's like my go-to snack if I, if if they have it, if I can get it, that's it. But also all the kiosks too, that are everywhere within Epcot, um, typically because of the festivals are also, um, good go-to's as well. But I am intrigued. Yeah. Now now we have to like, we're going to get Bloody Marys with, and we're going to wander world showcase in the evening together. Um, because you need to experience this thing.
1: Yeah, like we've never been to
2: the wine cellar in Italy, which I don't know how we haven't done that.
0: Yeah, like, like what's wrong with us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> there's just so many things to do, and and I think that's what's so important about. Um, I think it's so important about these podcasts and and, and, and blogs that that uh, folks create is uh, that there, there's just when you thought you you knew Disney, just when you thought you've experienced everything there is, you learn something. You're exposed to something new. Um, it's in, it's incredible, isn't it? It's just it's it's just such a wonderful place to return to.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. So next would be your favorite table service and quick service restaurants.
2: So again, so now I'm gonna like it's it's like that's It depends. And I don't mean to give you a lawyer like answer, but um, so if I was if I was picking a restaurant for an overall experience, like the best table service experience that I could have on property it's going to be Takumite right now um, which a lot of people don't even know about it's it's the is a new restaurant almost secret like restaurant um, in the Japan pavilion and uh, it's 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 fantastic it is it is in like an attraction level experience from the moment you walk in, Um, and you feel worlds away from Epcot and you, and you lose yourself in this thing. And and depending on what, like they have, um, these omakase style menus, um, and like chef's tasting menus that, that can take upwards even, and I've dined there alone, um, when they were doing their soft opening and because of all of the, the show that goes with it, all of the, the explanation that goes with it, um, There's and ceremony like even like the tea service is like literally like there's a ceremony that goes with the tea service. Uh, you can you can spend two and a half hours there, and which is I know some people think about like well that's not how I want to spend time on my vacation, which I I totally get, but you're going to miss out on this experience that you won't find anywhere else. Not that I have, um. And it's incredible. And so from a, from an experience standpoint, that's what I would say to tukum, Gumite.
0: I love that. I feel like the issue with those really cool places is I'm probably the least adventurous eater ever. Like I'm your chicken nuggets kind of person. But I think for the experience, I could push through because that would be really cool.
2: And I promise you, I mean, okay. there, are, there are things... I mean, there may be things that you're not comfortable eating. Like if you don't like sushi or like, like you can always pass those or just tell them you want something different or just, or do the a la carte, um, ordering and then not get the whole tasting menu. But it's not like there's anything that's scary. There's
0: yeah, not,
2: You're not, you're not walking into it wondering like, what am I eating? Like, what is this? Like, like you, it's not that kind of experience. Um, and they're they're gracious, and they will explain, and they need, they do explain everything to you. Um, and I would really, I, it's not inexpensive. I'll say that, um, especially for a park, you know, for for table service inside of a park, it's on it is uh, it is one of the more expensive options that you'll find in a Disney park. But it's, but if, I mean, I, I would say don't pass it up. If, if you're at all interested in it, don't pass it up.
1: Hmm. We'll have to do it.
0: Yeah, someday.
2: Add it to the list. <laughs> there you go.
0: We really do have like a running list at this point of things that we've missed that people suggest to us that we know that we have to go back and try. Which
2: what is, is crazy. Fish, if you go to Flying Fish, get get the steak. The tomahawk steak is the best thing at Flying Fish. But people wouldn't think about that because it's a it says Flying Fish. But um, yeah, it's... Or Topolinos have you been to Topolinos? Nope. <laughs> oh, Topolinos Terrace is amazing, amazing. Uh, there's so many oh my god, and there's so many good places. We've we
1: have recognized this and we're taking active steps to solve it. <laughs> but we have such an issue of going to the same places each and every time and mm-hmm. we've just recently broken out of that. But still it's, you know, two o'clock and we thought we were going to do quick service, but we're not going to do quick service. And it's still like Whispering Canyon is right there. And we still book it every time. So we're going to have to do better.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I would. I mean, even then I would, you know, I would go ahead over to the like to the wave at the Contemporary. If I was at Wilderness Lodge or something, I would um, hop on a boat and go over to the Contemporary and go to the wave because, because you can almost always get a table there. Um, and even if you don't want to have a full table service experience, you can sit in the lounge and get the full menu. And the wave has some of the best food on property. And it goes over, it goes overlooked by most people. Um, And, but I will tell you this hands down the bow at the wave is the best bow anywhere on Disney property period. And maybe the best bow I've had, like even here in Orlando. So, yeah, it's it's just to keep adding to the list to confuse everybody. Uh,
1: Jason was speaking directly to you there because last <laughs> time we were, we needed quick service in the monorail loop. I was begging us to go to the wave. We did not, or I guess not just quick service, somewhere that we could get into mm-hmm. and sit in the lounge or something. And Catherine made us go to Captain Cook's, which
0: <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. And then it turned out it wasn't. So I have to live with that now.
1: Captain Cook's is like when I was in high school, it was the bomb. And now I don't know. No, there's, not, something, yeah. there's something wrong with it now.
2: I, I mean, there's still some offerings there that are um, that are good. And I think they have good selection still. But it's typically typically crowded when you actually want to be eating. Um if I was that, if I was, if I was sticking to the monorail, PIB, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be either at the Wave, or if you're just looking for something really fast, I'd go to Gasparilla Grill over at the Grand Floridian, where they have this incredible um, fish rubin, this blackened fish rubin that is so massive that you can just, you can get one and split it. Sounds um, like your dad.
0: Yeah, my dad would love that. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, it's really great.
0: Hmm. Now we're hungry. I know, right? <laughs> so the next couple questions are just your Disney favorite. So the first one is your favorite Disney movie.
2: You ask this all the time. It's such a hard... I mean, that's... Especially since Disney's expanded its universe. Um, but my go-to answer, I, I think, is Inside Out. Um, which... which I don't know. Maybe a lot of people. Maybe people haven't seen or don't think of. Um, but I think I think Inside Out and Meet the Robinsons. Uh, there's they speak to this uh, this thing you know this 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 representation of what the Disney spirit is meant to be and to um uh and to serve uh, like I think more than a lot of maybe most of the other movies that are out there. And I'm sure that's like people are shaking their heads and saying, what the heck is he talking about? Um, But if you haven't seen Inside Out, you got to see it. Uh, And yes, it'll probably make you cry, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, And because what Disney movie doesn't make you cry a little bit. Uh, I was going to say
1: what Pixar movie does not make you
2: cry. Well, that's (laughs) the thing. Well, at least this one kind of waits to the end, uh, closer to the end for you to cry as opposed to like up or other, like where you're just tearing up from the beginning. Um, yeah, I think Inside Out's my answer. Love that movie. Good deal.
1: That's a good one. Next would be your favorite Disney quote. It can be from
2: Walt himself or from any of the movies. I'm a bit of a collector of Disney quotes, Walt Disney quotes. I, I, like If you go to the Walt Disney Family Museum, there's, they're all over the place. And I think my favorite, which I don't know whether it's from there or or somewhere else, is... is is kind of related to I think the projects that we work on. Um, it's when you believe in a thing, believe in it all the way, implicitly and unquestionably. And I think that's um, he said so many he said so many profound things. Um, but I think for me, that's the one that I go back to, particularly when things are difficult or when they start to question, like, what is it that I'm doing or why am I doing this. Or does I like, does anybody care? Um, I think if you go back to that core, like if you believe in it, like you've got to just put, you just got to be fully, fully bought in um, to this thing that you're doing. And um, yeah, I think that's I think that's the one that resonates the most with me, at least right now.
0: I love that, and for some reason I don't know if we've ever heard that one before, but that is, I mean. It applies to, I think, so many aspects of life, but especially if you're thinking about, you know, your Disney project or what you're trying to do. I mean, that's one that I think could help us in a lot of scenarios when, like you said, you question maybe what you're doing or why am I doing this? Or even, you know, is anyone going to show up to my live video? You know, if you just believe that they will, they'll come. And I think, you know. Walt always had that mindset and it worked for him. So why not us (laughs) too?
1: I meant to mention this earlier.
2: We have had a live video that nobody showed up to. So (laughs) we've been there. We know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, it's lonely, but I think that's the point. Like it's not so much the field of dreams model that as it is the, that it doesn't matter whether someone shows up is that what matters is that you are, um, that you're putting yourself, you're, you're just pouring yourself into this thing. And um and sticking with it you know that's that's the important part for sure
0: so this last one i feel like it can either be a really easy one or a really hard one for people i never know but the last one is what is your favorite disney parks memory
2: oh this is so hard because there's so (laughs) many like how do you choose um I would say I have a you know, and we're not going to go through them. I have like a different, I think, favorite park memory for each for each uh, chapter of my life. But the one that stands out right now is um, this uh, this moment where I, I took my son when he was I think he was like four years old. <laughs> it was like three or four weeks before I was having going to have back surgery, so I was in pain. But like I committed to taking him on this trip, um, and we just went. It was just it was just the two of us. Uh, and I brought him down to Walt Disney world and, um, yeah, he was like four years old. He's 18 now, mind you. So that gives you some idea of how long ago this was, but watching him dance down the middle of main street to the music with his Mickey ears on and his Incredibles shirt. Like is he had this Incredibles Jersey on and, um, like there's, and I was four the first time I went to, to Walt Disney World, so uh, it's it, to to watch to watch someone that you love to experience um, a Disney park, and it wasn't his first time there, but it was like it's just like, like a special moment for the two of us. But to watch someone that you that you love experience Disney either for the first time or in a new way, um, and see the joy that's on their face, like God, that there's there's. <laughs> There's really nothing better than that. I'm getting chills, like just thinking about it again.
1: All I can think about, and we're not like a sentimental family, but when my brother walked into Galaxy's Edge, I've never <laughs> seen someone happier. Oh, ma- grown and,
0: and men weeping like all over. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is incredible. Like, it's so incredible. And the, gosh, it's just, oh, thank goodness that they keep doing these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: good deal. You made it through the fast fast round. Last question for you, Jason, is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this Disney
2: community. Oh, I, I would go back to um, this point that we talked about earlier: surround yourself with good people. You know, not not just people who are going to help you, um, like like teach you things, or, but people who are people who are going to lift you. People who are. Um, you know it's so important to like to not become discouraged when you're starting, and it's so easy to feel that way. I mean, you know, like I feel it nearly every day, and I question like whether I can be successful or whether anyone cares on a pretty regular basis, more regular than it, um, more regular than it's comfortable to admit, but. Um, I think if you've surrounded yourself with good people who are who are invested in you and who will lift you, that is it's critical. And and you know to say one more, th- like, you can do it. You can do it. Whatever it is, um, like unless you're saying like, oh, I'm going to go play professionally for the NBA or whatever, which isn't where we're talking about, right? It's like if you're looking to do something in the Disney space and contribute in a meaningful way, um, whether it's creating content or you know, I mean, all of, all of the things that you guys that you guys cover on a regular basis, people are doing it. You can do it. I mean, like you just have to stick with it, and you have to learn from other people, and stay true to what feels right, um, and uh, remember the why behind it, and and remember the Disney why. And so, you know, I think when you see yourself as an extension of Walt's mission, and you, you feel that you'll feel this like heavy sense of responsibility towards the cause, like. Um, and when you can say to yourself, like, uh, "Yeah, what I'm doing is 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 in line, is in alignment with that spirit, and and that and that mission of Disney," um, you're you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. You will be successful. You just have to keep. You just have to keep at it.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think having that why and sharing that why is something that we can all relate to. And I'm going to steal something that's on your website because (laughs) it stands out to us. But you say our happy places are best enjoyed when shared. And I think that's a huge why. And I think you do that so well. And you've shared so much with us today. So thank you for that.
2: Well, thank you so much for saying that. Um, And I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate this opportunity.
1: Yeah, good deal. So last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you
2: online. Yeah, you can find me, of course, at herewiththemagic.com, which is a good starting point uh, where you can sign up for the email list to make sure you're getting updates of when new content's coming and getting behind the scenes information and giveaways and stuff like that. So that's at herewiththemagic.com. And then on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash herewiththemagic. And that's where we do the, lunch, the uh, lunch break live every weekday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Um and we're just going to keep doing it as long as it makes sense to, <laughs> to keep doing it. Um, and then on Instagram as well at, uh, at here with the magic and on YouTube, uh, it's youtube.com forward slash here with magic. It's pretty easy to find if you look for it.
1: <laughs> and we will make it even easier for you. We'll put all the links to those down in our show notes. You can go over there and connect with Jason. Jason, thank you so much for chatting with
2: with us today. We had such a blast. Brendan, Catherine, thank you so much. This is great. Um, Really, really do appreciate everything you guys are doing too. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.